welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 218th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 718th episode overall of the Assembly Call, uh, recorded on the evening of June 24th, 2021. I am your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred last Friday when the Indiana Athletic Department announced that they would return to 100% capacity for all fall events and activities. While a simple and expected announcement, it is exciting to know for sure that as Indiana fans, we are back and we are back in the stands. The football team will be very exciting to watch this fall, and of course, the return of tailgating will help us all return to normal. Volleyball season tickets are on sale, and the other fall sports always appreciate loyal fan support. So it's time for Hoosier fans to enjoy what we lost for 18 months, but this is a basketball podcast. Yes, uh, that also means we are closer to getting back inside Assembly Hall. We are closer to a home court advantage where we fans can help Coach Woodson and the guys get this program back to winning again. Indiana Athletics are back, and Indiana fans are back 100%. And for that, um, we are very excited. Okay, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. First to my left. You'll have fun, fun, fun. It's Andy Bottoms fresh off of a trip to the beach. I don't have a, a coaching uh, comparison for you, uh, but uh, what what are your thoughts here uh, as the summer progresses uh, with Indiana basketball? Yeah, we're finally. It, it took a while, but we finally settled into the relatively slow news portion of the off season. It, it definitely the uh, excitement piece lasted a little bit longer than than usual, but I feel like we've settled into the the summer. So really, at this point, it's it's a lot of recruiting news uh, and a lot of uh, schedule news, and both of those are, are things we're going to talk about a, a little bit later. You know, I think the scheduling stuff uh, you and I coach probably gravitate toward a little bit from a bracketology perspective so that's the you know the stuff that i've paid more attention to uh news came out today about the gavit games that i use going to host st john's uh i don't believe st john's has picked all that high in the big east for most things but obviously uh some pieces uh some pieces still still moving from a roster perspective so i think a relatively favorable matchup for you not the least of which because it's at home but uh, so you know starting to take shape starting to get a little bit of a feel for uh, what Woodson's trying to do from a scheduling standpoint in his first season and we'll uh, we'll talk more about that but uh, certainly excited about the news that you talked about with um, you know, the the capacity and uh, uh, excited for the football season hoping that when the schedule comes out and uh, the varying soccer schedules come out that I'm that I'm tied to. Uh, hopefully, the stars will align and I'll be able to get over for a, a game. But uh, we'll certainly be exciting for a, a season that holds a lot of promise uh, on that end, and also on the basketball uh, floor, as you, as you talked about, being able to uh, have have fans in a Assembly Hall again is going to be uh, going to be huge. Really excited. There's been so much excitement about this team, and to you know kind of be able to build on that by people actually being in the building uh, is certainly exciting. 
Thanks for bringing up the soccer uh, program. They got a quick turnaround from uh, their spring season. They're, they're runner-up uh, in the, uh, the tournament. Uh, it'll be good to go out on uh, a good uh, fall nights to watch them in, in Bloomington as well. And to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the answers. Well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. It's the one, it's the only, the great Ryan Phillips. Uh, your take on uh, anything, Ryan? <laughs> just anything? You sure yeah. you want to go there? Just it's, anything. IU basketball. That's, really. a, that's a dangerous, yeah, dangerous opening dangerous. right there. Uh, you know, what I think has struck me the most this offseason so far and that continued this week is just the breadth of recruiting attention this staff is giving across the nation to different players as in stark contrast to the last staff, which seemed to really target a small number of players and sort of push all its chips in on those guys and not really have backup plans. We have seen tons of players. I know they spent a year not being able to recruit guys on campus. So this is definitely going to be, you know, there was going to be a cascade of, of visitors as soon as the restrictions were lifted. But just to see how many guys are coming in and visiting the program, how many guys are taking the official visits, but more importantly, the unofficial visits to build that relationship on campus before you get them in for the official visits. Uh, just this week, they had Xavier, Bo- uh, Xavier Booker from Cathedral in. They had Jalen Hooks from Crispix Addicts. They had Caleb Glenn out of Louisville in. Um, just uh, there's a constant wave of guys on campus getting to know this coaching staff, seeing the campus and guys who are excited to do so. And, and I think that's a huge sign for Indiana, because guess what? You know, when you're going for top players in the country, you're going to miss on some. So you've got to have ideas, you know, fallback ideas. And we saw Tom Crean. I, I think his staff would would paper the country with more offers than Archie Miller's did. But you saw times where they didn't have a backup plan and had to throw scholarships at guys who did not deserve those scholarships. Or right? we're not we're not on the level of Indiana basketball just to fill out the roster. We saw Archie Miller bank some scholarships because he missed out on certain guys. And um, I just think that this this group has a better feel for what they're trying to do to fill out their roster. And if you look at the guys they're bringing in, you can tell what kind of players they want. And there seems to be a consistent pattern of the guys they want to campus. And guess what? They're not going to get them all. They're going to miss guys. It just happens in college recruiting, especially when you're going after great talent, four to five star talent, you're going to miss on guys, but being able to miss on one guy and hit and have a backup plan, you can hit on at least to fill your roster out, at least to be, you may not get an all big 10 guy, but you'll get a guy who can help you win down the road and win games for you. That is incredibly important. And, and the depth as we've seen injuries over the last five years, hit this Indiana program hard Having the having that depth is incredibly important. So you're not playing walk-ons and you're not, you know, looking for guys off the street to fill those those scholarship roles. So it's been really interesting to watch how this this group is operating. They are really hitting recruiting very hard in the offseason to get guys on campus and get them to see the campus and introduce themselves, tell them what they're all about, and 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 introduce them to the team, their their potential future teammates as well. All of that really important. And it's been it's been really good to see. 
We have a really good question in the third segment about how we judge that success in the next couple of recruiting classes or or what Coach Woodson's going to be going to. So we'll come back to that uh, later. But here's what we're going to be covering this week. Obviously, who's your headlines? Uh, and our main topic uh, in, in segment two is going to be scheduling. We added a, a, a couple of games uh, since uh, our last show uh, and uh, the announcement today that St. John's will be um, uh, coming to uh, Bloomington for the Gabbett Gaines. And then, of course, in segment three, we'll um, answer your questions. All of that this week coming up on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, we, we don't have an advertisement for you today, but um, just a public service. I'm going to take care of each other. Uh, again, I appreciate everyone who has been supportive of our family uh, and, and the medical issues that we've been through. In every community, there are people who need um, need help and need just a pat on the back or, or something else. If you can uh, uh, find uh, some time uh you know, a car to effort something. Let's just start, keep taking care of each other. Uh, I think that makes everyone uh, a lot better. Uh, so here we go. Let's hit, hit the Hoosier headlines. We, we mentioned earlier the IU Athletics announced 100% capacity for the fall events. They do have some protocols for inside events that they will announce uh, a little bit later. Uh, the, the news on the schedule, which we'll talk in the second segment, uh, Marshall uh, was added as a non-conference game. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette also uh, with the games that were already announced uh, and then IU to host St. John's in the Gavit games on November 17th. Andy and I will probably talk a little bit about bracketology and what that means for Indiana. I think uh, so far the selection of the non-conference teams has been a, a positive in, in that area and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, a couple hours ago a tweet from Indiana basketball account um, uh, said that Forbes magazine had Indiana basketball, the number three most valuable college basketball team. Uh, and in an era where we've talked a lot about uh, the name, image, and likeness, and then this week a Supreme Court decision came down about you know educational benefits can be paid. Uh, it was pretty narrow in its scope, but it's, it's, it's really going uh, in the direction of uh, moving amateurism to a new definition or getting rid of it. Um, we're not going to talk a lot about that tonight, but probably uh, throughout the summer we will. Uh, talk about that, but if Indiana's number three, uh, that that's some that's some positive to hear. IU offers Xavier Booker, uh, Ernest Uday Jr. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Those are both big men. Dennis Scott also received an offer, uh, and Miles Colvin uh, over the weekend uh, received an offer uh, from the Indiana Hoosiers. And Justin Taylor, who holds an offer, has IU in the final. Uh, five is to announce his uh, choice on Saturday. There's a, a, a lot of discussion about he's going to stay out east. Uh, and those are the headlines uh, for your Indiana Hoosiers this week. Um, Ryan, anything there that uh, you, you'd like to talk about um, uh, those headlines? What? Well, I think that obviously the 100% capacity is, is huge. I think that uh, the schedule stuff you guys can really get into and talk about what kind of teams those are. Uh, I think it's cool that they're playing St. John's. It, you know, I mean, St. John's isn't what it used to be, but it's it's a pretty cool uh, matchup. I, I, I like playing those teams that have had classic, you know, histories to them. And St. John's certainly uh, is one of those classic Big East teams, you know that that there are all those stories about from the from the seventies and eighties, um, and obviously I, I touched on the recruiting stuff, but I want to know. Obviously, I think are you guys, are you coach, are you going to be just 
hit in Bloomington every weekend to make up for lost time. Yeah, I I went down this summer before all the the stuff we had to do this summer and and got a day in. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to uh, getting the tailgate stuff out. It's been a couple years, and uh, I, I'm going to get volleyball tickets and probably soccer tickets. I don't know how many times I can make it down in the fall to to support those programs, but I might. Um, Soccer's share, awesome, man. Share those with some listeners or, uh, or whatever that can get down there. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm excited about getting back to Bloomington and and, and not having to worry about um, you know what's the uh, what's going on. Well, I talked to my buddies in town right now, uh, who I went to IU with, who is from Sandy. We we moved out to IU together, and uh, he, he got married during the pandemic, and his wife moved from. His now wife moved from San Diego to Bloomington to Indiana, and they live in Indianapolis. And she's gotten to hang out in Bloomington precisely once, and it was at our meetup last year in February, or two years ago now in February. And she has not seen like gotten to do, and that was like one night, and she hasn't gotten to do anything in Bloomington. I'm just like, <laughs> you guys need to like this needs to be a weekend every other weekend. You need to be down there doing stuff. Yeah, it, so it'll uh, be great for everybody. It's it's a, it's going to be a lot of fun to get back to normal uh, here in the fall. Andy, thoughts on um, the Hoosier headlines? Uh, anything else you want to touch on? Uh, I mean, on the I, like you said, we'll we'll get into this a little bit more. Just a couple, you know, one thing with Marshall, they really play up tempo. Uh, so as we start thinking about uh, IU and how they want to play, I don't know if the selection of opponents is trying to prepare for different styles of play or trying to find ones that might mirror how IU wants to play. Uh, but Marshall, I think I looked earlier on, on Ken Palm was 20th in tempo. Even Louisiana was up almost in the top 50 uh, ranking wise. So I think you'll see some up and down, uh, up and down games, maybe more exciting in that regard than, uh, you know, potentially some other, you know, non-conference games that you, that you'd go through. And uh, I think St. John's plays, uh, plays, really fast as well. Mike Anderson, the coach there. So they're, they're 10th. They got Posh Alexander, a really good guard. So I think, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more. I think some good tests and at least some, I use not picking St. John's to play, but they're playing some really up-tempo teams. So it'll be interesting to see how one, they defend that and two, how they uh, counteract that defensively. So yeah, interesting to see the schedule start to come together. Still a few pieces left as we'll talk about uh, after this, but uh, at least starting to take shape, starting to get at least a feel for, what the philosophy is for this season. I don't know that you can extrapolate that anymore into what uh, the, the scheduling philosophy is going to be in the future. Uh, but I think you can start to see a little bit of what they're trying to uh, accomplish with what they're doing this year. Yeah. And, and I'm going to go back to the, the, the Forbes magazine uh, rating, you know, and I don't know what goes into it. I'd like to go read that article. I have not read that article yet about what criteria that went into and I want to. I can't wait to see what the impact is going to be on recruiting. Obviously, people are going to need to uh, see what Coach Woodson does offensively and defensively, and they're going to have to win. Uh, his conversations with recruits, I think, has been, uh, you know, for getting the guys back that he did and and the transfers. I think he's been uh, successful uh, quite a bit. But to see if that that helps, and with the Cuban Center and the things that are going on, I think that it, it speaks volumes for Indiana is positioned to make that an advantage, uh, and then that advantage will help on the court uh, when you get players in. That, that to me, uh, was a, a fascinating headline um, to, to just pop up uh, in, in the Twitter feed. So we're going to talk here about uh, scheduling uh, coming up uh, in, in section uh, segment two. Um, so uh, stick with us here on the Assembly Call. 
At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing! in here. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing in here. Hi, this is AJ Moye. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the Sweet 16? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers! Welcome back uh, to Assembly Call Radio. How do you keep up with the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day about IU basketball? It's crazy during the offseason, and it's even crazier during the season. Well, we've got your back. We send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings. It rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are on the list, and we want you to be on there too. So go to join.assembly.com to subscribe for free right now. That's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. That's IU to 66866. Okay, I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and we're going to talk a little non-conference scheduling here, uh, what we know and and, and what we don't know, and maybe what we'd like to see uh, either – next season or, or down the road as far as non-conference scheduling. We, we know six out of the 11 possible uh, non-conference games. Uh, the seventh is already determined will be a Big Ten ACC challenge, and we'll talk about who we'd like to see in that as well. Uh, so, so there's basically four left that, that we are unsure of at the time. What, what we um, do know is uh, you have Notre Dame in Indianapolis at the Crossroads Classic uh, and announced today in Bloomington the Gavitt games will be November 17th, early in the season, probably the second game, I would imagine, uh, against St. John's from the Big East, uh, which will be a, a nice matchup. We also have known through ver- a variety of sources that Merrimack, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, Northern Kentucky, and Marshall have been added and will be at Assembly Hall this season. So... Um, Andy, just get your thoughts, uh, on the six that we know, um, your thoughts on, on the schedule uh, to this point. You know, we, we've talked about this at various points. I think we've either gotten questions or, or, or talked about it in the off season, just in terms of what we thought the approach would be to scheduling. I think many of, many of you guys, I don't, remember that I, I fell on this. I thought Woodson might be apt to really, you know, try to go out and get, get a little bit more aggressive. Um, I think they've done a reasonably good job of scheduling winnable games that 
won't hurt you from a, a metric standpoint. Uh, so for the most part, you're not going to be playing anybody that's in the, the low end of, uh, of division one. And those are the games that really, really kind of hurt you. Now you probably don't have a lot of games that you feel like you should lose either. Um, and so I think they're striking an interesting balance there. You know, I mentioned the tempo stuff earlier. I think you've got a couple teams that are going to play really fast. Uh, again, the St. John's was not by choice, but Louisiana Lafayette and Marshall were. Uh, so I think that, you know, may or may not be, uh, telling it all. But I think as you look down, you know, the list of those games, you've got teams that are, uh, you know, should be pretty good. Uh, as you look through St. John's, at least I'm using Bart Torvik cause I don't think any other site has, uh, kind of projected, uh, you know, records and that kind of stuff. He, he has, I think, St. John's last in the Big East, which made it a little bit of an odd choice. But I also know the Gavit games, not everybody's playing every year, so you've only got so many options. But I do think from a, uh, a style of play standpoint, it'll be interesting. Like I mentioned before, they got Posh Alexander, who's a, a really good guard, was a freshman last year. Um, they got Aaron Wheeler, the transferred from Purdue, always seemed to play well against IU. Montez Mathis, Rutgers transfer, so maybe they're just trying to uh, you know, kind of ease them in, get some other guys back. But uh, Louisiana Lafayette has got some good transfers coming in and projects to be one of the better teams in the Sun Belt, which is usually a you know good mid-tier league. Because if you look even last year at at some of the leagues that were in the middle on Ken Palm, you know, the Sun Belt where Louisiana is from was 21st. The Horizon where Northern Kentucky's from was 20th. They typically are one of the uh, the better teams in that league. Um, you know, Conference USA that Marshall is in was 13th. I don't know that they necessarily project to be well to be all that good but i think they've got a an interesting style and, and merrimack has hasn't been in division one very long and they're in a not very good conference but they're uh have already established themselves as a pretty good team within that league so that's you know maybe the easiest game that, that you have there out of the ones that you've you've scheduled and then you know you got notre dame who i, I think will be uh, a bit improved from uh a year ago you know torvik tends to value continuity quite a bit but he's got them I think fifth out of the teams in the ACC, that might be a little bit um, hopeful, but uh, I think a solid team that that'll, you know, anytime you're playing a major conference team, it's not gonna not gonna hurt you too much no matter what. So, I think they've set up a lot of winnable games. I think um, some of those might be challenges. I don't think there's a true you know stretch game on there, if you will, yet, and maybe that's uh, still to come as they look at other opportunities. But I think they've done a good job of not putting themselves in a place where the schedule is gonna hurt them. Uh, at the very least, yeah, I think um, looking at it from from the bracketology, I, I like it. I, I I think it's actually uh, somewhat challenging. Northern Kentucky has made a run in the tournament a couple times and played uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Merrimack went to uh, Northwestern and beat Northwestern, uh, and I, I know we hope to be a lot better than than Northwestern, but these are games where you're going to have to play well. Uh, in order to win if you play well you're going to win 10 to 20 points but they're they're going to be games where you're going to have to work for a while and I think that's good for programs that move forward and I think the bracketology aspect is if they're sitting in the 200 uh, of the net that's going to help the strength of schedule uh, down the road uh, whereas if you had just automatics uh, in that 300 range or 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 those you know directional schools uh, from the real um the conferences that are are some of the weakest conferences, so I think this is good, and we still have four that are are not uh, known, and so from that aspect, I think it, it it bodes well. I still think that in an eleven 
game non-conference schedule, you need to play five really tough opponents, and one of them needs to be on the road. Uh, simply um, to, to, to get some chance to get some quality wins. You have the crossroad, which is neutral, which will help um, your, your resume, but you need to play on the road before you get to the Big Ten. So I would like to – and we'll talk about the, the four games at the, at the back of this segment, but I would really like to see uh, the remaining four, only one more team that is an expected win and, and get at least three uh, tough, tough teams um, – in order to get ready for what is a grueling Big Ten schedule, Ryan. Counterpoint: Money. That's yes. why you don't have a. <laughs> I mean, after a year with no revenue, uh, it's hard to see me. The it's hard for me to see them willingly taking a road game. Uh, I agree. I think it does help prepare you. I, I think the most likely scenario is getting an ACC Big Ten game on the road uh, uh, for that schedule. I, 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 but I think that given revenues... I think I, I think I used you for a home game in that, though. I mean, I know, I know they don't... I know, well, it's not I know, perfect it's in not, terms of alternating, but... Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. And you know that they're going to give Duke a home game this year, so that might throw off the, the home road rotation off. I don't know what Duke did last year, but they're going to give Duke a home game in that one. Um, I, think, I think something like Duke-Michigan would be a good you know, send-off in that for, for, for coach K. But um, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's hard for me to see a lot of the big schools giving up a game check this year to go on the road. I really, after last year and, and not having the revenue. And, and, and that's a really good point. And then scheduling a Marshall, scheduling a Louisiana, <clears throat> scheduling a Northern Kentucky, which are teams and at least in the top half of those conferences, sure that, that, that'll be better test while you're making your money uh, and, and, and resume builders for um, the tournament. So you and I'd, up- also, I'd also say with those non-conference games, um, I, I agree. You don't want to just have no challenge wins, especially on a team that it has going to have a lot of new pieces that need to fit together and figure out their roles and rotations and everything. You need to play teams not necessarily that can, I mean, anybody can beat you, but not necessarily who can beat who you look at and like, well, that could be a loss. You know, you should be winning all of these games, but you've got to play teams that can sort of challenge you because you're going to have to figure that stuff out and you don't want to just cruise into the Big Ten. You right. know, I mean, you need to, to face some at least solid uh, opponents in, in the non-conference in this situation with, with all these guys that are new and that will be taking on new roles. So you, you brought up the, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and, and what we're going to do here is we're going to go through and get your marquee matchups. It, what would be your favorite, uh, maybe not best for IU, but it would be a great game to watch um, in this Big Ten ACC tournament. Then we'll come back and say, okay, this is a good game. Let's just go play it. Uh, and then there's one that's, man, that would be a boring Big Ten uh, ACC tournament matchup. Uh, more from a fan perspective maybe. <laughs> or you could, I guess you could go uh, from – you know, what's best for the program perspective too. But um, Andy, what would be your marquee matchup, like the the really best matchup for you um, for Indiana this year in the Big Ten ACC Challenge? I mean, I think you always, if you think marquee matchup, are probably thinking of Duke-North Carolina type type scenario. So maybe it's Carolina not, you get to yeah, first. Not- not lately, first year Andy. <laughs> well, I, I just mean I in general. Like, if you're thinking like big names, the brand schools, name, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, you know, Carolina with, uh, you know, both both historically good programs, new coaches, uh, first time college coaches. That that might be interesting. Even a Louisville. Um, I don't necessarily know how they're supposed to be. I I don't think I've seen them show up in too many 
uh, of the early top 25 list. But I think Carolina typically is around, you know, mid mid teens or in the 20s. So it gives you a good opportunity to pick up a good win. Um, so I'd kind of go with them, I, I guess, for the the marquee one. I don't necessarily uh, wouldn't. I don't know that I'd relish playing uh, Duke all that much. So I'll say uh, I'll say Carolina just as somebody. It's been I think a few years since they played them, but I think them or Louisville would be interesting. Louisville obviously more geographically, and you know some of the the, uh, the games that they've played with them in the past. Louisville, like we all want the Indiana Kentucky rivalry back, and 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 we can add that here coming up, but. The Louisville rivalry isn't bad either, and I'd like to see that maybe um, if we can't get to Kentucky. Uh, Ryan, you're the best matchup for you uh, if if you could draw it up to that you wanted to watch. I have Carolina, and uh, uh, but for different reason than Andy. I think the marquee matchup thing is I, I'm just teasing about them not being great. You put North Carolina and Indiana on a court together, and it'll be fun. Indiana has played Carolina a lot in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I think more than anybody. I'm not that. That's just off of recall. Um, they played Duke a lot too, but it's because of the brand. But I would also say another interesting aspect of that game is two first-year coaches who went to their schools and who are African American at these schools. I think that's an interesting storyline for ESPN or whoever to explore. Whether you think that matters or not, I think it's an interesting parallel of what's going on at both schools and the the story moving forward for both schools is two guys who went to the school, have come back, have extensive histories at that school, kind of harken back to another era because of when they played and all of that stuff and are now taking the mantle of these programs. And they're two of the, I think, like, 17 or 15 major conference African-American head coaches, something like that. Uh, that's an interesting storyline. And I think that that is an interesting storyline to, to play with if you're ESPN or uh, the conference is making this decision. So my marquee matchup is totally in-house because I wanted to make sure that the, that Jared come back and hosted at least one post-game uh, show uh, in, in the future. And if we play Virginia, uh, his second love of a basketball team, uh, he would be twisted in that post-game conference from complimenting the, the, the Bennett system. Uh, if Virginia win and crying, you know, if IU lost, it would be – it would be a theater on a serious. Uh, I think that's just someone Indiana hasn't played uh, a yeah. while, and it's a top tier. It's program. interesting whenever you play somebody new. Yeah, like, somebody new, and then it's the pro uh, program that you think Woodson is starting to bring in with his coverages defensively and his offense uh, versus the the back line, which we would like to be. Yeah, uh, a lot Klein, of fans back line revenge game. Yeah, 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 kind of an inside the the defensive theory revenge game. But we've played Duke a lot. We've played Carolina a lot, and recently Florida yeah. State back to back, and they've been a top team in there. So that to me leaves Virginia and Louisville as possibilities. But yeah. uh, Virginia's a top program if you're talking marquee program and someone we yeah. haven't played. But boy, you you guys brought up some really good points about. Yeah, North I would Carolina. say I. I one more thing I want to comment since it is, I mean, Coach K is going to be a huge story in college basketball this year. It's his last season. Whether we like it or not, he's going to be an enormous story. Is Michigan State and Tom Izzo at Duke the best matchup they can come up with, do you think? I I, I personally think that's what they're going to do. Michigan? Yeah. I Michigan? like Michigan. So on court, I love the Michigan matchup, but the story, it's always about a storyline. Right. And Izzo and K. I, I think Izzo and Coach K – at Cameron for the last time is is kind of the way they have to go, right? I'm, I'm who, not off. Who the plays? Rock. I, yeah, but I don't know who who plays who in the Champions Classic this year. That would be the only. I, I don't, don't know if those know. two that's would be scheduled to play one another. Yeah, I, I don't know I, either. But that's true. I, yeah, 
I just think that would that be the, a possibility. Yeah. I mean, you could you could go. Somebody put this in the chat. Maryland for uh, Maryland for old times in the ACC. Oh, that's but I don't a know. good one too. I say that would be, that would be good, but that would be that would be better if he had to go to Maryland and everyone was just mercilessly. <laughs> I say people so that, we know that we know that's not going to happen. So yeah. Send Purdue down there. It's the last ACC Big Ten challenge. It's another home game for Duke. The the you know they've been playing. I think, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Purdue and Virginia. For some reason, I get that feeling. I don't know why, but I get that feeling. Purdue and yeah, Virginia. and they played at uh, Purdue um, uh, a while back. So those are our marquee matchups. And so now let's pick a ACC team. That's a you know it's not it's not a great matchup. It doesn't excite you a whole lot, but okay, it's not bad. Let's go play. Um, Ryan, we'll start with you. Syracuse, because I want to find out if Mike Woodson can coach against his own. That's... Oh man, you're killing me with Syracuse. <laughs> I would say I Syracuse just can't stand playing Syracuse. I would say Syracuse or Louisville for this category are the two mm-hmm. picks, I think. Although, you know, I think Louisville is a little more exciting just because of the local rivalry. But I would say Syracuse because I want to I want the challenge of that. For me, it's Clemson. Uh, Brad Brunell is an Evansville guy. Uh, again, good with the, last year with the Woodson being from Indiana. They were good. You know, it's not that great matchup where you're excited, but uh, they're a program that that has been good. And, you know, it's going to fit that five through seven. Uh, in the ACC kind of ranking where Indiana is, so that's that's where Indiana is. Let's let's go play them, uh, Andy. You're just okay matchup uh, in the challenge. I'll say Virginia Tech. Uh, they are. I, I like the way they play. There should be again most of these preseason things are ranked around 25th. So if you beat them, gives you a, a reasonable uh, bump from a and, and good from a tournament perspective. Um, so I, I kind of like I kind of like them. The coach's name is escaping me at the moment, so I'll look it up here while I'm uh, while I'm talking. But it, he's done a Mike Young. He said he's done a good job since taking over. They were pretty solid last year. Um, they're definitely slower from a tempo standpoint than than some of the other teams that I use playing. But um, you know they play tend to play uh, small, which might be interesting matchup from an IU perspective. So I think it's it's a team you could get some benefit out of beating. Um, maybe a little bit under the radar in terms of how good they actually are, but it would be a, a decent matchup, I think. And then our last uh, matchup here would be the boring matchup, one that isn't just too pleasant to watch and really doesn't do much, I think, for Indiana moving forward to try to make the tournament. For me, it's Boston College. They're at the bottom uh, of the ACC. I, I don't want – I like wins, and I think we need to win, but but you also need to get better, and I think the Big Ten uh, ACC uh, challenge, whether at home or on the road, is a chance to get ready for for that tough Big Ten schedule. So I, I would be kind of bored with uh, a matchup with Boston College. Uh, Ryan, I've got there, there's three options here. I think, and it's Boston College, as you noted, Wake Forest, and Pitt. Pitt's interesting because we have two former Pitt players on our team now. Um, but I, yeah, I think Boston College is the right answer. They're just terrible, and and they've been terrible. And I just don't think that's an exciting matchup at all. Andy? Yeah, Wake was the other one I was going to say. I think Boston College is the epitome of of boring when you start talking about <laughs> ACC teams. But um, otherwise, you'd probably normally throw Pitt in there. But with the Xavier Johnson in particular, with that, that factor, uh, I think that would probably give that game a little bit of juice. So I'd say Wake would be the other one to, to throw into that. And I don't think either one of those is – is likely they, they seem to typically try to match up roughly with what they project the leagues to be. So um, shouldn't uh, shouldn't have to worry about that. 
Uh, let's hope we, we don't get to that, that boring. So that leaves four remaining games in the non-conference. Uh, so the questions will be to you, and we can just go back and forth, and that is how many competitive games, meaning against uh, Power 5 schools or, or bigger schools, uh, should IU schedule out of those four? They already have three scheduled um, similar to that from the Gavit games and the Crossroads and so forth. Um, and, and if you have a buy game or two in there, uh, is there a team or, or a league that you would like to see Indiana bring in um, that that would be a, a buy game? And, and then also uh, at some point in this conversation, what's your dream matchup for a home-and-home home, uh, with a, a real strong uh, program that you'd like to see? Uh, Kentucky, obviously, we're going to throw that out there. Everyone will want to see Kentucky. But beyond Kentucky that we would like to see on a regular basis, um, Andy, we'll just start with you. You can go um, – Answer all of those or, or wherever you want to go with the four remaining non-conference games. Yeah, I mean, in terms of competitiveness, uh, I think you'd want to get at least a couple more good ones because really at this point you're going to have St. John's, who I don't think you expect to be all that good. Notre Dame, who should be solid, and uh, presumably whoever you play from the ACC is going to be decent in that. So I think you need at least two of them need to be Power 5 schools. I, I tend to fall in line with you that I'd love to see them find a way to get a road game, whether that's against the – uh, power five school or not, I, I don't really know, but um, to go through the whole the whole non-conference and not play a true road game never feels great. Certainly, we know from a bracketology perspective, sometimes that can come back to bite you. Um, and so, I think that would be I think that would be good. So, I'd say at least two uh, should fall in the competitive range. Probably one of those on the road. Uh, in terms of you know by game teams to schedule, you know, I just look at I look at it more from a league perspective. So. Uh, can you get a team out of the MAC, Missouri Valley, uh, maybe the SoCon, somebody like that 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 you think is going to be pretty good? Um, again, kind of fall in line well with some of the teams they've scheduled before from decent leagues. Should still be able to win, but you're not going to. But it'll give you a little bit of a test, and, and again, maybe it's trying to find different styles of play or things like that that would be uh, would be within that. And then in terms of you know a, a dream matchup or whatever, I I, I think I've said this before I, i'd like to see him play xavier or cincinnati because it make it easy for me to try to go uh, i think those are typically pretty good programs cincinnati's Selfish. uh Selfish. gone through a lot of turnover well what are you gonna do uh <laughs> so cincinnati's gone through a lot of turnover and turmoil you got mike roberts there i don't know that that's one that's imminent that you'd put on there uh although i don't think there's hard feeling from him and listening to his interview with aj guyton but um that would be interesting Xavier, you've got now the Jerome Hunter uh, component of that. Again, maybe that's not one that you do for for some of those reasons. But just in general, um, traditionally good programs, just regional relevance to it uh, and trying to do that. Not even, you know, even going back to the Louisville thing, I think that'd be another series to get back on the books. It's, um, you know, even Kansas, some of those some of those things. I actually uh, just reread Season on the Brink over uh, our time at the beach and just some of the going through the schedules of that where they were playing Louisville every year and some of those things were just – uh, consistent games. They had that stretch where they played Kansas a lot. Um, I think those kinds of games would be would be interesting and maybe something that's down the road. I you know I think you're probably going to be hard pressed to get that uh, get that for this year. But you would like to see some of those kinds of things come back if they can uh, make it work. Ryan, your thoughts on uh, the remaining four games in the non? I mean, the remaining four games. I you know I'm not sure. You guys are way better with the schedule than I am. You know what would fit, what wouldn't. Um, you know I, I like to see mid major teams come in, so you're not you know doing small conference teams. I like to see a couple of, you know, like Mac level teams come in and, and um, Missouri Valley, you know, stuff like that come in and face, face them. So you're facing like 
teams from a good conference that will play good teams and, and have a chance to to up their profile as well. Um, as far as the the team the the game that I would really like to see, I what about going out to California doing UCLA home and home? I mean, you know, I, you can do like Louisville would be great, Kansas would be amazing, things like that. But find another classic program in another region of the country and showcase yourself out there. Uh, you know, do something like that where you could. Plus, it's another way for me to root against UCLA. I think it's great. Um, but you're, you know, you're facing another program with with a long, rich history that again was pretty good this year. Uh, it, you know, made that huge run in the NCAA tournament. Um, I would say Gonzaga, but quite frankly, I don't want to play Gonzaga right now. <laughs> with <laughs> not, the way they are, few years. But, you know, it's 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 going to a different area that Indiana doesn't usually go to, and facing a team and and showcase yourself out there. It's good for recruiting, but it's also good for you know your profile that you're willing to travel to different parts of the country to to play a game. I would love to see that. Yeah, plus I, the guys might get, get get the guy make it a weekend. Let the guys have a couple days in in LA. You know. Exactly. I'm with Andy. I think there needs to be two more uh, Power 5 competitive games. That would be five on their schedule. I think that gives you opportunities for good wins, for resume building, for for the NCAA tournament. Uh, For me, the buy-in games, why why can't – I know we've struggled. We lost Indiana State in in the first year of Archie Miller, and IPFW has gotten us under cream and all that. But those are the games I think you need to play, the Evansvilles, the Indiana States, the Valpos, the IUPUIs. If you got an extra game – uh, and they fit, uh, you know, if you want styles of basketball and get prepared for the Big Ten, all that. But um, some of those local Ball State rivalries, um, if you're going to add a bye game, I think those also help you down the stretch. Uh, and, and that's something that, that gives a little local uh, flavor to the non-conference as opposed. And then, uh, Andy, you're, you're, uh, I think you said Southern Conference, Mercer's in there, Lipscomb. Boy, those are tough teams that are always tough in the tournament uh, that you worry about in the NCAA tournament as an upset bid. But again, when Indiana, as soon as Indiana gets to a point where they're the top dog, you're not afraid of those teams. Those are the teams that you bring in. The dream matchup for me is UCLA. Uh, I just, I look back to what happened in the seventies and, and, and some of that, uh, UCLA, the other one that hasn't been played, uh, Kansas and Louisville I have no problem with. I'd love to see us get back to that, but UCLA is the one. Uh, go play at Pauley Pavilion. Uh, come come to Bloomington. Just would be great to see that uh, blue uniform uh, in Assembly Hall. The crowd would go nuts. I'd also like to play at the Palestra. Um, so I would love to see Indiana at the Palestra. I would pay anything to go out there and see that. If it's got to be one of the, the five Philly schools or Villanova would be ideal. Um, but they might want to play that in a bigger arena, uh, obviously for a gate. But um, could you play a LaSalle? Could you play someone on the road in the Palestra? Um, I just like those those old venues, and there might be some other ones too that if if down the road you're looking for uh, Is that, non-conference. That's Penn's home arena, right? Correct. University of Pennsylvania? Okay. But I think the, <laughs> I know the that they all those can schools play. can play there, right? We'll play there. Yeah, no, but I was yeah. I wasn't I couldn't remember which school it was actually yeah. their home arena. It's Penn. Yeah. So, um and then la- last question in this segment, uh, do you guys like Indiana being in an additional tournament? I know the whole crossroads getting out of the crossroads, let's not get into that necessarily, but there is room still uh, if if it doesn't match up on the date of the crossroads to maybe get into some of these um you know classics where you just there's a doubleheader or something do you envision Indiana yes. getting getting into that this year playing one opponent at uh, at Barclays or something like that uh do you think that might happen this year 
I like actual tournaments. Not that, not that, you know, it's the coaches, whatever classic. And it's just one game. I want to go play tournaments. Right. And, and I, that's why I think the Maui Invitational is great. You get three games, you're guaranteed three games. The competition's usually good. You learn a lot about yourself and you get to go to a locale bonds, the team. If you got to go to the, the Atlantis or you got to go to, you know, Puerto Rico or Alaska, or it used to be Alaska was one of them. Uh, if you got to go, I like going to a location, being isolated and developing a team early in the season where the repercussions of a loss will not be, a, will not reverberate the way they will with a conference loss. I think that that's one of the reasons that the Maui Invitational is very laid back when you're out there. If you listen to the, not only are they in paradise, but they realize like we're playing good teams. And if we lose one, you know, maybe it's a chance to learn more than if right. we win one. And and it's not going to haunt you at the end of the season. I like the idea of doing those tournaments. Now, look, if you if you get in the the big ones that, you know, what are the ones that what's you just mentioned one coach, the Champions for, Classic the, or, or the Champions Classic. You go to the Champions Classic. I mean, that's huge exposure for you that you'll take all the time. Coaches versus cancer, that stuff like you get huge exposure. You play at Madison Square Garden. Okay, that's a that's the big deal, and you should take that. But I like the idea of actually doing a tournament, and I, Indiana shies away from that obviously because it wants the home dates and right. it wants the revenue. I think that one of those a year is a great thing for this university, even if it means giving up the Champions Classic, because I think you learn way more about yourself yep. in those tournaments. You've seen teams go to those tournaments, play terribly, and turn their seasons around and be really good. You've seen that a lot, and the reason why is because they learn lessons down there wherever they go, and then can import those lessons and turn the season around. You know, you, you can get rid of the Crossroads Classic. Uh, I kind of like it because of the in-state feel, but you can schedule those guys. We used to – Indiana used to schedule Notre Dame and Butler. Yeah, uh, and then you can go play, play them every other year anyway. You can yeah. go play a Villanova. You can go play a Tennessee uh, or some combination of four teams in a, a Thursday, Friday night uh, semifinal, final situation. Andy, your thoughts on, on some of these, what, non-exempt uh, type uh, situations? Yeah, you know, some of the bigger ones where you're getting the three games, I think they're scheduled out far enough in advance. You don't really have an option to do that now. But I do think some of the, you know, kind of two game ones like you talked about where you get together with a few other major conference teams and and play, you know, essentially a semifinal and a final where, again, you're not getting games are going to hurt you. It gives you some good exposure. And then there is always some like kind of weird standalone games that have some sponsorship that you don't really know why it's there. But, you, yeah. you know, it's just two you're teams kind of randomly playing on a neutral site. Um, I mean, you could do some of that, but yeah, I, I don't know whether they'll do that this year. I mean, it seems like I think they've changed the rules on some of that stuff a little bit because most teams play in some form or fashion of a of a non-exempt uh, tournament. But um, I don't know. It'd be a good way to knock out a couple of the other more competitive games. And then right. maybe you, you do, um, you know, you get those other couple games at home and figure it yeah. out that way. So Look, I'd like to see them do that. I think that I've even seen some movement in. Some of these teams, I don't know if coming out of COVID that some of the teams that signed up for these, seems like some of that's still pretty fluid uh, in terms of who's playing what. I, I forget which one it was, but I feel like they've had some teams already replace uh, others in those. So maybe, I think. Right? Yeah, and I feel like that's one they weren't in initially and they replaced somebody else. That's, a, that's exactly the one I was thinking of. Um, so, you know, maybe there's some flexibility of things that open up and you get a chance to get into to one of those, you know, four-team uh, deals if you can. But, yeah, I think it would be – worth it give yourself a chance to you know tournament like feel turn around quickly play another good opponent stuff like that i just don't know how uh you know scheduling this year is going to be different 
right. you know, maybe not as crazy as last year. Um, but I do think you've got a little bit more flexibility than you might normally have where a lot of those things are set up further in advance. Yeah, I also think that if you were going to continue the Crossroads Classic, stop making it just one game. Make it two games. Let the winners play each other. Like, I mean, you know, I think that there's more that you can do with that to make it more valuable to the teams that are playing it. Yeah, it's great. You get to play a team from in-state that you didn't play last year, but you played the year before. You know, it does get repetitive. So let the matchups actually happen. But then again, you know, then you might have Purdue and Indiana playing on a neutral floor in in November or December, and the Big Ten doesn't want that. So you, you run into issues. I just think it's more valuable to get a couple games in a tournament-like setting uh, for the team early in the year. I agree, and, and I just think you got to play enough tough teams to avoid, you know, when it's, if it's a tiebreaker for a seed line or for selection into the tournament, your strength of schedule isn't, you know, nine home games because you needed the gate, but they weren't very good uh, opponents. So um, that, that'll that do it for our non-conference. Hopefully we'll, we'll get some reports on that here in the next few weeks and see see how accurate we were. Um, coming up in our third segment, we'll do some subscriber shout-outs and then answer your non-basketball questions or your basketball questions. Plus, I, I don't think we have a mediocre question this week from Jay. If we do, we'll answer it, but stick around regardless uh, with us here on The Assembly Call. know a three-digit number doesn't tell your story. That's why every Progressive Leasing approval is no credit needed. Shop your favorite stores with Progressive Leasing to get what you need, such as furniture, laptops, headphones, jewelry, mobile phones, appliances, mattresses, and more. Progressive Leasing obtains information from credit bureaus. Not all applicants are approved. Progressive Leasing offers lease-to-own purchase options, acquiring ownership by leasing costs more than the retailer's cash price. Visit progleasing.com to get started today. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Welcome back, everyone. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and it's segment three, which can mean only one thing. Our first subscriber shout-out comes from the home of Calbert Chaney and Christian Lander, Evansville, Indiana. It's R.C. Lehman, a.k.a. R.C. the MC. R.C. had a hard time determining his favorite Hoosiers. He settled on a tie. Quote, in my lifetime, Dane Fife and Vic. Vic's progression was just pure fun, and Dane's run, well, you know, I was 12 and literally cried when they lost to Maryland. My sister and her friends made fun of me uh, the next school day at school, uh, end of quote. His assembly call leader is Coach. We've communicated a lot, planned on doing a, a music video together, and I still fully intend for that to happen, end quote. Um, he is just a fun guy. Uh, we're talking about uh, doing some Indiana basketball and some educational uh, stuff um, uh, through music videos, uh, as he is a musician uh, as well as an educator. And his special acknowledgement goes back to us. Quote, I want to thank you guys for providing us fans with objective entertainment. You guys have the conversations uh, that I annoy my fiancé with. I appreciate all the emergency episodes and the optimism despite uh, all of the negative results. Much love and respect. 
Thank you, RC. Uh, our second subscriber shout-out comes from the home of Race Thompson. That's Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's Seth Zarate. Uh, Seth, I hope I pronounced that correctly. His favorite Hoosier is Yogi Ferrell. For his assembly call leader, he chose Ryan, but with an important caveat. Quote, only when Jared is on to argue slash banter with him. Otherwise, it's Jared. Uh, end quote. And for his special acknowledgement, Seth said, quote, you guys rock. Um, also, my last name rhymes with karate, I guess. So just in case there's any question on pronunciation, I should read the script. Uh, so that is Zach, uh, Seth Zarate. Uh, thanks, Seth, uh, for uh, following us. Uh, we appreciate it. Okay, now it's time for the rest of our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com backslash community. Um, Jay did not submit a question, but Jay did uh, put out a tweet. Uh, we're going to a comedy club here uh, in July, July 6th. His wife and and my wife and uh, my son and niece, we're going to go out to dinner and go see uh, a comedian. So I appreciate, Jay, that was not a mediocre effort uh, in announcing uh, uh, this comedian coming to Indianapolis. So thanks, Jay, for that. Um, Phil says, I remember a guy who used to host a community in AC Radio, whatever happened to him. Uh, Jared is being a great father. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> he decided to have a second kid. It's, yeah, it's you know, really not that complicated. That stuff happens. Um, yeah, Why he, was, he did that, I don't know. As, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a childless man myself, <laughs> I, I don't understand his decision making. But they're very happy. So it's... Yeah, so uh, he he will be around and he's behind the scenes and helps everything get going. Uh, but we he hear will, from Jared. By the way, in case back. people want, we we hear from Jared like every day. Yeah, so it's it's not like he's disappeared. He's just not on the show. And uh, our our next question's from Bob. Will there be an assembly call meetup this season? You guys are the ones from out of town. You you heading into town? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just called a Saturday for Coach. Yeah, it's, I mean. Uh, I, I would very much like to come into town. I'd like to come into town multiple times this year, but uh, I think I think we definitely need to do one this year. And and that's my I don't know about you, Andy. You you're the second I don't know if Ryan just froze for me or for everyone. <laughs> he like they uh, got that good smile frozen there. Okay, he's oh, back. did I pause? I'm yeah. sorry. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean I, I would think we'd certainly like to. Um but uh yeah, we'll we'll see when the schedule comes out. That's always the tricky part is figuring out when, when the schedule comes out, when you got a good, you know, weekend big 10 game and, uh, from a travel perspective. So I, I think our, our goal would certainly be to have one. Yeah. Uh, they, hopefully a non Friday yeah. game. That's the, the, there will be an assembly call meetup during basketball season. There will be, a, uh, anyone who wants to come down, um, and join fellow, uh, assembly call chat mobbers at tailgates. Uh, my tailgates are open to everyone. It's not, uh, all the guys can't be there uh, every week, uh, um, but you can come and um, have a beer or soda or whatever, and talk a little Indiana football. Let, let me know, and uh, Bob, you're you're more than welcome, as anyone is, to stop by the tailgate, have some food, uh, and have some fun. Next question: uh, JD DeFreeze asks, "How do we judge the success of the 2022 and 2023 recruiting classes? Is it a fit with the new system? Is it player ratings, position need, etc.?" He goes, I honestly have no idea, so would love some suggestions. Ryan, you, you talked recruiting in segment one. We'll throw it to you. What is your thought on how you judge a, a, a recruiting class? Or wins, down, wins down the road. Yeah. I mean, really, you don't know. It's a crapshoot. Because here's the thing, and I've talked about this with, with rookies in sports, and, and 
um, it's the same thing with recruits is you don't know how guys are going to act when they get on campus. You don't know how focused they're going to be, how dedicated they're going to be. You have an idea certainly of their personality, but you know, a guy gets on campus and decides can decide basketball isn't the most important thing on campus. He may really like school. He may really like girls. He may like partying. Like you don't know what guys are going to act like until they're on campus. So it, it takes a while to figure out how important a recruiting class is. Remember the movement, you know, everybody across the country was talking about what a great recruiting class and a game changer that was and really didn't turn out to provide that much. And, and so I think that you really have to give it time to understand how good that recruiting. I mean, you you do have guys that come on a campus and work harder than they did in high school and and all that. And I think it's the same with with in professional sports. You don't know how guys are going to act once they get paid. You don't know how hungry they're going to be once they get that first paycheck and, and how hard are they going to work is going to be like when they were scrapping and fighting, you know, every day to get to that point. So, yeah, it takes a while. It's hard. I mean, you look at star rankings and you can say, all right, you know, this is a huge class and then it can turn out to be bad. I mean, you know, nobody's had more high star ranking classes than, than Kentucky over the past 10 years. And a lot of those seasons have not ended where they were supposed to end. And, and, you know, you look at another one was the, the Duke class was Zion Williamson. It didn't even make the final four and they had by far the most talent in the country. It's so many factors go to, into it, how the pieces fit, how the guys play, are they looking at the next level or are they really worried about winning now? You know, I mean, what, what goes into it? So yeah, you need a couple of years, I think to, to really judge a class. Andy. Yeah. This, this one is tricky on so many levels, right? It, it, all the things that Ryan said, we don't have any idea what I use going to play like. So you can't even, even if you read a scouting report of a guy, you wouldn't know whether he fits with the system very well or not. So I guess that's probably what spurred the question in the first place. But um, yeah, I think, I think it'll be a little bit easier to gauge that once we watch the team play a little bit, and then you can figure out what kind of fit they would be. At least if you're looking at this ahead of time, Hey, do I think this is a good class or not a good class? I think you'll have a little bit easier way to look at it that way. But yeah, I like think Brian said like that. I mean, by then you're, especially by the 2023 one, you're, you're you know, a few years into the, uh, at that point, you're a few years into the system. You're going to have a good idea whether things have been successful and whether the recruiting has been, has been decent or not. And I think the other thing with some of this is there's going to be the potential for so much roster turnover with the portal and everything else. I don't know that even if the class itself doesn't grade out very well, it isn't necessarily a, you know, death sentence for what you're trying to do because by then you're also going to have an idea of how well they've been able to, one, either keep guys that they want to keep, or two, utilize the portal to kind of bolster the roster as opposed to having to do it um, through recruiting and and what recruiting even looks like at that point. So definitely a good question, but I think incredibly tough to answer based on what, what we the, all the unknowns about what the program is going to look like. JD, I, I would say one, uh, I'm going to say two things. One, don't get caught up in the number, like uh, number 47 versus number 62, and, and just assume that uh, if, a, if a different school got higher rankings, they're better. Uh, I, I think those are subjective and, and um, sometimes just don't, don't pan out. Uh, so I, I'm not about player ratings as much. You can your five stars obviously are better than any three stars, but that's all about potential. For me, once once uh, players commit and then sign, uh, for me, I think before they play, if you're looking to try to judge, I would say position need. Did did the coaching staff get players where they're going to need people to step in sooner than later? 
and 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 it, so if you get a if you get a couple big guys and, and you know you have a couple big guys graduating that to me seems like the staff did a good job recruiting it's always down to potential those kids may not end up playing very well they might get over recruited um, but if you have if you're graduating a, a four and a five and you get two uh, big guys to come in I think that's gonna, a potentially a good recruiting class because it has uh, the potential to fill needs. So that's kind of what I look like because we really don't know for sure uh, for a lot of the reasons the guy said until they get on campus and can handle all that, do do they they pan out? Um, you know, don't want to harp on a, on a negative, but like Demisi Anderson was known as a shooter, but when he came on campus, he just um, he re- just really got um, a struggle um, to, to play and ha- had to move to a different um, place. So, uh, you, you know, that was, that, that's, I guess how I would answer. Also reputations lie tape doesn't quite frankly with, with some guys, you know, if you see a guy with a high ranking, um, evaluators can get blown away by statistical, you know, like a guy, well, he dropped 35 the other day, so we got to move him up a little bit. You know, it's watch the, watch the guys play. You can tell who's good and who's not and, and, and where they rank and, and where they should be. And and I know these guys put out highlight films, whatever. Try and watch full game films if you can, right. or 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 longer packages that independent places do that these high schools aren't releasing themselves. So you can get to see them miss shots too, you know, and you get to sort of learn their ins and outs of their game because you will learn more from a failure than you will learn from a success on a guy. Was his form good when he missed that shot? You know, because then sometimes you just miss shots. But you know, sort of break down what guys do and do not do well. Uh, that's the way you learn about them, not just the rankings or or, or highlight film. That, that's a really great point. Watch off the ball. You know how, how do they play yeah, off stuff the ball? Like that. Yeah. How, how how is their positioning defense? How yeah. how do, do they can they guard the the bounce? Those, those those kinds of things help if you can find access to that. Um, elbows in and elbows in. I'm going to say you have some really outstanding credit uh, questions week in and week out. Um, so uh, we, we really appreciate that. Excluding TJD, Elbows In says, excluding TJD, project two players uh, who will be your season MVP, one from the returning players and one from the, the new players um, that did not play last year. Andy, we'll throw it to you first. Uh, you need two MVPs that aren't TJD, one from returning and one from the new players. A quick, quick point of clarification: Does Parker Stewart count in the new. newcomers or the new. returnees? New, okay. because he has not played. Wow! All right, I was just checking. I don't know that I was going to pick him for either one. Just wanted to make clear the the parameters of what we were doing. You just wanted to make uh, it needlessly complicated. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to buy myself a little time to think through. Um, yeah, returnees. Then I, I guess I would say, I guess I would say Race Thompson. Um, I think if he's able to step out and shoot a bit. Um, I think he already provides some toughness and rebounding and, and defensive prowess that they're going to need. The question mark there is, and, and this is something you guys talked about on the show or coach that, that you talked about on the show last week in terms of what guys need to work on is, is how much is he able to play with TJD? Cause if you can't, they can't figure out ways to keep both of them on the floor, then uh, this ends up being a terrible pick. But um, otherwise, you know, your, your choices for that one are him, Fennessey, uh, Galloway, Leal, geronimo lander um so you got to figure out which of the the freshmen becoming sophomores is going to play enough to do that so i think race from a minute standpoint would be the one uh on that front and then of the new guys um 
I guess the temptation is to say Xavier Johnson because he's probably going to be the guy that's got the ball in his hands the most and be creating for for other players. Um, so I'll go with him, although uh, I'm really excited about Tamar Bates and have enjoyed some of the interviews that he's given and think he's going to uh, quickly ingratiate himself to the, to the fan base. But uh, I guess I'll go Xavier Johnson on that one. Ryan, your picks. Well, mine was going to be Ray Thompson because I think he's a heart and soul guy. I don't think it's going to be numbers. I, you know, I mean, if you're judging MVP by who means the most to the team, I think even with TJD, it might be Ray Thompson in some games, and, and and because he's just the guy that does the little things that some guys don't. And I think we've imported some guys who do those little things, but there were games Ray Thompson last year didn't statistically do anything, uh, you know, as far as the big counting stats, but you felt like he was the most important player on the floor. And I, I will echo that for this year. I think that's going to be the case. I was kind of upset Andy picked him. I thought it was going to be really, really clever with doing that. Uh, as far as the new guy, again, I, I hate to agree with Andy every time, but I would say Xavier Johnson just because it makes the point guard position more stabilized. But I'm going to go a little off the board here, and I'm counting Christian Lander as a new guy because I think we're going to see a new Christian Lander. So I would say Christian Lander if we're going away from Xavier. Xavier Johnson is my pick. I'm kind of saying, but you know, I think Christian Lander is going to be a different kind of player this year. And let's face it, he didn't play enough last year. If if this were this were a professional sport, he'd still be considered a rookie because he wouldn't have gotten enough uh, enough time to to sort of uh, separate himself as 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 a uh, in his first year. So. I think that Christian Lander is the guy that I think is going to be incredibly important to this team. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that he's going to be so important because of the way that Mike Woodson wants to play and because of the tempo Mike Woodson wants to play at. I think that he's going to be so important to this team. That's a hell of a move, given how adamant you were that Parker Stewart could only be considered as a... I know. As I was a, trying as to a new guy you when his case is a returnee is is listen. Far I was trying to put you inside a new guy. I was trying to put you inside a box while I was going to step outside of it. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely, I, I'm going right, to go. I'm going to go from this premise that IU successful uh, finishes in the top five of the Big Ten, gets a, a win in the NCAA tournament, um, and, and who's going to be most valuable outside of TJD if that happens? I'm going to say Rob Finnessy because he's going to be a guy who could lock down uh, a ball handler. And I think that 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 mentally he has that idea to pick up these schemes that Coach Woodson's putting in the switches, the triple switches that I assume are are the ball screen stuff. Uh, you need defense. Uh, we all know that shooting is going to be the number one thing that helps us win, but you still need defense. And for a lot of the reasons you picked race, both of you picked race. I think Rob getting Rob back. Now, if he's not back, um, that would blow up th- th- that pick. But I think he has the potential to really make an impact on the defensive end. And then my pick for the newcomers will be just the opposite I, I I'm gonna go Parker Stewart because if there's one shooter that I think can really go off this year potentially uh and this is just maybe from hopeful my hopeful thoughts because I haven't seen him play but uh if he can get near 40 percent and just be a knockdown three I think he has the best opportunity to do that uh, I think then that just stretches the floor and lets X drive and, and TJD operate in the middle. And boy, then that gives us three dimensions that we haven't had uh, in the past. So Parker Stewart for new for me, uh, Rob Finnessy uh, for the old, but really there's a lot of ways you can go and um, in, in picking those. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that the new the new player part of that one, there's a lot of options for that. I mean, we didn't – I thought Stewart – we didn't mention Miller Cop at all. I think him in a role that allows him to be a complimentary player, if he's able to play some four, 
stretch, you know, stretch things out. Um, I think he could, you know, get back to shooting the way he did uh, a couple years ago. I, you know, I think he could, he could be that guy. You know, I, I mentioned Bates briefly, but I think there's a lot of good things to like about him. So yeah, I thought that one was really difficult just because there's so many guys and you're, you're trying to figure out what their role is really going to be. But I think if they embrace those roles, there's a lot of guys that could be really successful. Yep. Looking forward to it. Last question, Jeff Marlowe, and I'm going to throw this right to, to you guys, because I, I I don't know uh, who are the panels picked to win Euro 2020. Uh, Jeff Marlowe says his is Italy. Uh, I'm going to go Italy just because I'm Italian. Um, I know France uh, is pretty good. Germany's been pretty good. I don't know who has advanced to the round of 16. Any thoughts on the Euros? Ryan, I'll, uh, let, you, I'll let you go first. I, you probably watch more than, than I have. I have because uh, it's my job during the day. I get to watch sports. It's it's pretty cool. That you sucks. guys should you guys should try and get on this train. Um, I, I I think the teams that have looked the best are Italy and uh, and France, as Coach mentioned. I also think Belgium uh, has a chance now that Kevin De Bruyne is back. Uh, really wide open though. Um, Italy's issue for once is defense, which has never been the issue for Italy. So I you know they're scoring like crazy. I still think I like France. Um, I think they've got so much firepower. I, did, I just think it's tough to beat them. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would love to see Italy win, given my roots. But uh, I, I think I, I think I got to pick France. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week or sooner if any news breaks. Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. You might get beat today, but each day you got to get better. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Good summer, midsummer show. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, what are you guys up to this weekend? Anything fun? I got a couple family, uh, some friend, a family up from Atlanta um, Sunday and Monday um, in the Indianapolis area. But other than that, not much. I, girls I in sports have, or i honestly have no idea uh no nobody's nobody's got anything right now although hannah started uh conditioning for the high school team um they started that this week so played in the basketball scrimmage uh for the high school on monday and then last three nights has had conditioning for soccer but nothing over the nothing over the weekend so that's why i don't know what we're doing because that usually that usually defines parameters for which you know i can operate on the weekend so you're getting of, old uh, andy you have high school students in the household now <laughs> you're telling you're telling me you're telling me <laughs> i know but uh yeah so we'll we'll see what happens i see the reds reds got a win bullpen made it interesting as usual but uh yeah i really appreciate them allowing the padres to sweep them that was uh, padres oh my were, god padres I, were I, reeling and they needed that man <laughs> that was so nice yeah, reds, the reds reds bullpen is the cure for what ails you that's for sure yeah, the Potters yeah, were, that, were scuffling, and they've won. Now they won seven in a row, I think. That's the beauty of a 162 game schedule. Yeah. You know, you're going to go through a, a seven, 10 game stretch where you're either struggling or the ball's bouncing the wrong way. And then, 
you just got to put more of those good stretches together to to get through. Yeah, uh, it, it's crazy, man. I like we went on Saturday. It's it's amazing to see pot. You know, every game the Padres are selling out, and that has not been that way for. I mean, it would have been that way last year, obviously, but they were shut down. Um, but what they it, do in it, center field the last couple of years when Petco Park's opened, wasn't it a beach and a hill? And and now well, so it used closed to be a it beach. off a little bit. There used to be a beach out there, but they realized that people weren't taking advantage. It was supposed to be for kids to like right. basically play in the sand during the game, but um, parents weren't really taking advantage. Parents weren't buying seats out there. Parents were buying seats in the stadium, and so it just was kind of empty. So what they did was they turned that into that whole area into like a party deck area, mm-hmm. um, and people also weren't buying the seats above that because they were kind of more bench-type seats instead of real seats. Um, but there is a hill behind Still that behind and it's there. open so you can sit on the hill for five bucks and watch the game and you take advantage of all the food and all that yeah. but you don't get it you don't have like you have like an entrance ticket you don't have like a ticket to a seat and there's also a little like mini t-ball field for kids yeah. to like play on next to that but it's cool to sit on that hill bring a blanket get a hot dog and and, and watch they, the they've game done some there. good things out at petco park I, I believe this is was the major league park that had a um an area and um, a packet for for kids with autism and stuff that needed noise reduction headphones and mm-hmm. and things like that and and I'm sure other places do as well. I just remember seeing that uh, on a broadcast. I, I think the, yeah. the, those kinds of things are are really forward thinking um, to bring fans in that might have difficulty in in loud spaces or or places like that. I just think that's good. That's just cool stuff. I will say about I I don't remember the year the the new Pottery's ownership came on, but I think it was like 2000. 13 or something to maybe 2014 they are a really good ownership group like every year they invest in the stadium like peco park is 17 years old this year and it looks brand new because every year they they invest in like renovating one section of the stadium like one aspect of the stadium so that it never gets old and then they move on and do another one and another one another and then come back around to that other one i mean it's it's fantastic it's it's really amazing the way they've you know uh, unlike sort of change the mentality here unlike my team where cup snakes become the very big thing shown on ESPN in the outfield <laughs> you know yeah you know, i gotta actually, love you know, chicago like, but sometimes man it's <laughs> that was it, the look, bleachers are nuts I wrote, an, man. I wrote an article about that it was a sign that we were back america's yeah. back baby it's i mean cup they had a thousand but. cup snakes that's someone pointed out to me i think a, a coach i coach with that he was up in wrigley recently and they're selling for 12 bucks a pop he said there had to be 500 cups in that cup snake and you, you charge, easily it's that's a six well grand, they're passing them from six every grand, section yeah. over you know that's six grand worth of beer that had been consumed in order to build yeah. that that cup snake, i will say know? i will say the 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 cubs ownership doing thing you know crying poverty while they're making hundreds of millions oh of dollars off gosh. the team is it's insane and 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 the potter you know because i mean if you're, if you're the cubs you were just you're printing money the, the right. Red Sox are the same way when the Red Sox started selling some players off and let Mookie Betts walk. And you're just like to say that we don't have enough money is ridiculous to be in one of those markets and to say we don't have enough money is insane. And, and the Ricketts family to, to act like they don't have money. And it's like you might be struggling with money because you bought a bunch of property around Wrigley that yeah. has nothing to do with the baseball team. And yeah. you're mad that you didn't make any revenue off for a year. So you're making the baseball. Team. Just say that. Just say we made some investments that haven't paid off. And so we're struggling. But it's like there was no reason for them to trade you Darvish. Like 
it, the, you know what the Cubs really need right now? Another Pitchy. starting pitcher. Like, you know, and it's like they trade him for a bunch of teenagers. Like, I, I just. Well, yeah. they're going to they're going to trade two more. Kimbrell's gone. Uh, oh, yeah. The July sure. trade. And to. I think Bryant's gone before the trade. They almost have to because Kimbrell's a no brainer. Uh, I know it hurts your team, but it's but you, you can't do the right baseball things anymore. You got to you got to do what's right. You're going to get nothing for him down the road and then Bryant is going to be a Albert Pujols contract um and I don't know if it's I know he's good but I don't know if it, any one person's worth that but yeah all right last question and I'll let you guys go this was posed I, I think on um ESPN um earlier today Luca um oh Trey Young Trey Young Booker or Donovan Mitchell to start a team. I think it, I think that answer is so easy. But go ahead, you guys go first. I'll give my answer last. Uh, you can you can go first if you want. Okay. I don't okay. I don't watch a lot of NBA, so I, I probably am not the most informed on this. I'll, I'll give an answer, but I'll see if you can persuade me. Uh, I it, it's Luca. I, I think he makes people around him better. I think he's an absolute superstar. I think he is within three years the best player in the league. Um, he, I mean, he could be next year. You know, he started this year a little bit out of shape, so his numbers weren't great. But if he had gotten a start earlier, he may have won the MVP uh, because I think the Mavericks would have been a little better. I think the team around him doesn't fit him as well as Booker's team does around him and as Trey Young's team does around him. Um, but I would say, yeah, absolutely, Luca. And I don't think you can argue me on this. I, I think he's just, he is a, he's one of those guys where those guys are all stars. I think Luca's generational. I think Trey Young's a really good player. I do not think he, the way he plays will hold up forever. Um, I think that Booker is fantastic, but I think that in the end, he's going to be viewed in the same way someone like James Harden is. He's a great scorer, but doesn't do a whole lot other on a whole lot else on the court. And I, but I think that Luca Donovan Mitchell's great. He's he's really fun to watch. I think he's probably fourth in the pecking order among those guys as far as how long they'll be great. Luca is going to be an all time great, and and I think that. Um, he surpasses those other guys because of his ability to do everything on the floor. I, I agree. I, I think the the thing that you could argue if you wanted to argue Trey is the ability to drop 40 and get double digit assists. I mean, that, that that's just, that's just good basketball, but Luca does that as well. The other guys are scorers. Uh, what I like about Luca and Trey is that they're scorers, but they also, they also share the basketball and make, make other people, um, better. Uh, but I could watch uh, any of those four play. I don't watch the NBA much. Uh, I'm like Andy. If I got uh, during basketball season, if there's uh, games on these three TVs down here, it's three college games, you know, one from the Colonial and, you know, McNeese State <laughs> is on. I'm watching McNeese State over over Utah. Um, but um, in the playoffs, I do watch. Uh, I, I think that's a tough question, but I, I agree. I think Luca is, is the, I, is the I, one. Yeah, I, I, I think the other thing with Luca is his his size at least gives you flexibility with other things you can do around him. Not not only his skill set, right? But he's what, six seven ish? Yeah, Trey um, Young looks like he's 150 pounds soaking wet. Like it's Yeah, and, and and you could you can because of what Luca can do, you get other options at a, a true guard spot. You might be able to do something different because he's a good distributor and can do some of those things. So I think he provides you a level of flexibility with who you can surround him with that that some of the other guys may not just because of both their size and, and some of those kinds of things. 
Yeah, what I was going to say about Trey Young is with how small he is, you know, he's slight. He's not just like, you know, right. it's not about height. He's he's slight. I do think that he will not have and it will not be effective as long as those other guys who are more built uh, because he takes a lot of punishment. He's a human highlight reel. I love watching him play. It's so much fun. But I also think that the thing Luca offers you is if you have a night where you go 0 of 7 from 3 and are, you know, you score. 12 points on 30 shots, you know, or, or what 20 shots or whatever. Luca provides you so much else. He rebounds the ball as well as anybody at, at his position. He's a phenomenal passer. He gives the excitement too. I mean, Luca's going to sell merchandising. He's going to outsell everybody and he's international as well. If you're looking for financial stuff, you know, for, for a franchise, I just think that the Mavericks are not constructed well around him. And I think that's, that's what, Part is he demanding some of those changes, or is that? You know, I, I think well, he demanded that they got to get rid of the guy who was the gambler, who was overreaching. Uh, you know, the GM and in, in stuff. I mean, like they had Seth Curry, who I mean, mm-hmm. Luca, a guy like Luca needs shooters around him, right. and they had Seth Curry, who's I think he's third all time in three point percentage in the in the NBA. And you think of Steph as being the great three point shooter, but you know he's all volume. Uh, too, so his his percentage is going to drop. But Seth Curry is is a standing shooter. That's what he does. He runs around, gets open, shoots the way Ray Allen used to. And they traded him away. You know, it's like that's the exact guy you need around Luca, and they sent him to Philly. And it's I think that the construction around him needs to be better. And I I don't know if he's complaining too much. Um, I would imagine he is. He's gonna, but he's gonna sign his extension because it's you know he gets what like. 30 something million dollars if he resigns than if he goes somewhere else at free agency. So yeah, I mean like Chris Porzingis has a terrible contract that they bought, you know, when he was injured and now he's hasn't returned to the player he used to be. Um I would I would yes, I would be demanding some changes if I was Luca, but I think he wants to play in Dallas. I think he likes, you know, Mark Cuban's ownership and all of that, but he's uh you know, he's he's as good as you're going to get as a prospect for the next couple of years. I think, I think LaMelo ball is going to be a guy like him who is, you know, can do so many different things on a court that you could start a team around that guy. I mean, just watching him, he's, he's so much fun to watch too. He's got to get bigger. He's got to be a more consistent three point shooter, but both of those guys, you put them on the floor and take away one aspect of what they do and they'll still have a good game. You know, you take, you take away the shooting for a game. You're still going to get assists. You're going to get rebounds, and you're going to get guys who at least are smart enough to occasionally make a play on defense. Uh, you take away the rebounding, no rebounds in the game. Well, he's going to score for you, and he's going to he's going to pass and find his teammates with incredible vision. I mean, those two guys are guys that I will build a team around for sure. And uh, the Phoenix has got a two point lead early in the third. Um, Become a huge Suns fan because they're playing the Clippers, but uh, <laughs> enormous Suns fan right now. So, all right, gentlemen. Many, I, many Indiana, many Indiana folks are rooting against the Clippers yes, because of Paul George. I'm sure, as they so. should. Yes, exactly. As you are they not alone. Should. You are exactly. not alone. All right. Good conversation. No two free throws in that game. Everyone, stay safe. Have fun. Take care of each other. Thanks, Chat Mob, for joining us. We appreciate uh, everyone in the summer, and we're getting closer um, to some Indiana football and Indiana basketball. Seeing what's going on. I will admit I did like seeing some of the the pictures of Coach Woodson out on the floor coaching. Yeah, that was you cool. Know, um, I, I think that's just good to good to see him out there. Um, Coach Woodson in his natural element. Yep. So, all right, everybody. All right. Peace out. See you guys. Yep. We'll see you.
You're the kind of person who makes a difference at work. So why not work on something that makes a difference? At Zooks, we're looking for collaborative, inquisitive people who can help us achieve our mission. Safer, cleaner, more enjoyable mobility for everyone. Come build the future at Zooks. Find out more at zoox.com slash careers. We could all use a real vacation right about now. Lucky for us, Princess Cruises has a port right here in SF. Starting at $99 per day, Princess can take you to the beaches of Mexico, the tropics of Hawaii, the glaciers of Alaska, or along the California coast. That's right, just $99 per day. Set sail with California's cruise line. Call 1-800-PRINCESS, visit princess.com, or contact your travel advisor today. Terms and restrictions apply. Promotional pricing ends November 30th, 2021. Ships are Bermudan and British Registry. Before booking, consult the CDC website at www.cdc.gov. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.